Sam, 
who's who's <laughs> who's uh just uh has a scowling look of judgment and judging us in a, from the astral plane. Why you know, did you invite us. me to your court? Yeah. Oh, I'm Sam. I'm so judgy about you. You know, he's just I'm seven feet little, tall. Yes, he is seven feet tall. I don't know if you know this, but with every po- podcast, he grows a millimeter. <laughs> um, so, uh, so <laughs> hello, hello, Sam. Hello, Ghost Sam. Anyway, uh, but Sam's like here to comment. So uh, the reason I'm saying this is because, Jeremy, you probably, I, Sam maybe knows more, or at least between you and Sam, you know way more about the comic book world than I do. Yeah. Um, Sam also knows a little bit of anime and manga, I believe, too. But, but the, the point is, is yeah, that I think it's. True. I think before we get to even talk about uh, Grant Morrison, um, can you talk a little bit about like where where um, Animal Man came from, the context, you know, in the eighties, maybe beforehand, of, of of how the the comic book industry was working and the stories that were going on, right. and, then, and then this incarnation of Animal Man and how it sort of came about. And perhaps how Grant Morrison was brought in. You touched on it a little bit, but I think I'll be useful. Yeah, so in the 80s, DC Comics was looking to reinvigorate their comics. They had a bit of a slump. Uh, eventually, this all started, and they, they were having, they had this whole, like, idea, which eventually became, like, the crisis of infinite books. Which was this, like, really weird, mildly incomprehensible <laughs> uh, series about how, like, they had so many comic books they had this idea, it's like, that they basically all exist on alternate universes. This was, like, standard canon. All the different, all the different, like, like yeah. stories and, and expansions. Every single comic book that had ever been released was on, was one of these universes. And like, this truth is, this is too many. We yeah. cannot keep track of It's actually not a bad way to explain it all in a certain sense. Yeah, so, like, for example, the original Superman stuff and the original Justice League was, like, universe names. I don't remember if that's, it might have been universe and then the more recent Superman and Batman and such were universe B. You know, and then, you know, the evil, you know, Ultraman and Owlman, you know, their counterparts were universe C or 3, and so on. You know, there was, and there are various different ones that you, you can go through. But the point is, there are a lot of, like, copies and, like, oh, which one is this one? Which one is this one? You know, there's a Supergirl here, there's an Owlgirl here, there's a Wondergirl here. So it's like, well, okay, there's a lot of Supermans and a lot of Superboys, and how do we do it? And, I don't know, it's a weird story, but it's a, it's the same kind of shtick. You know, there's a giant space monster called the Anti-Monitor who wants to destroy existence or some crap. I don't remember if that's exactly his plan, but it was some, or maybe he wanted to get ultimate power. You know, I'm just And, essentially, that was like a big thing. And, it was integrated into a lot of other storylines, too, and a lot of other comic books. Essentially, the idea is they were going to collapse a lot of these and just start a bunch of new ones. And one of the ones that was started before this was called Swamp Thing. Swamp Thing was a much older comic book property about a swamp thing. They lived in the swamps and they could interact with like, plants and stuff. It was never the most popular, and it was kind of odd. But basically, they gave it to this up and coming comic book artist, well, not artist, author, uh, Alan Moore, and he made it quite popular. So, an indie comic book. Indie, relatively. He's on the Vertigo label of DC Comics. So, the idea is, let's try to expand this. So, they also 
that with Sandman, with Neil Gaiman. Sandman was another hardly used character. And of course, Neil Gaiman completely changed it. Like, he basically had the reference to the original hero as being someone who, like, thought he was the original Sandman, but wasn't. <laughs> like, that's how off it was. It was like, no, Sandman wasn't a superhero. He was this weird, endless being <laughs> that inspired this other guy while he was captured. I'll just say I haven't finished Sandman yet. I get to do that to my shame. You already read some of these pieces, right? Um, and Alan, and Alan Moore, you know, and, uh, and that stuff, and then Grant Morrison was invited to the Animal Man. According to him, remember the, the, the like, like the intro or the foreword to the first Animal Man collection, you say, how, like, basically the, the, the comic book labels, whatever, were, were just basically scouring, <laughs> scouring the UK for, like, uh, for, for, like, you know, all sorts of curmudgeonly, uh, <laughs> curmudgeonly of dark, well, like, UK yeah. writers. A lot of them were. So that's kind of how they came from this. Right. They, they were trying to create, like, new imprints. They were trying to reinvigorate these characters because nobody cared about the animal man. And, and, and Sanders, his powers, if you just think about it, are kind of stupid. And also, there are a million duplicates. What are his powers? His powers are that he can, if there are animals around, he can absorb their power. There's a bird, he can fly, just like that. And there's an elephant, he becomes super strong. You know, there's a cheetah, he becomes super fast, etc. Uh, and you know, there are some kind of aliens and stuff in his universe, from some of his foes. But it was never a really popular one. And there were a lot of weird stuff in like, the 60s and so on. And that came from that era where everyone was trying to come up with like a new, because even the 50s, it was just like, let's, let's come up with a new one. Let's do uh, another one. Okay, we are, because. They have so many, and they're just trying to come up with. Yeah, it just sounds like it was. A, yeah, it was, it was another thing they created. Just, they were creating characters. Yes, yeah, so or they just trying to shove them out. Like, let's come up with more stuff. And Animal Man was not particularly a popular hero, and that just meant that Grant Morrison had kind of like carte blanche what he wanted. Uh, as long as he didn't screw with any of the existing heroes, which he did not, he could essentially do whatever he wanted. So that was kind of. Where he started, and I don't know, how much how much do you spoilers are you getting? Yeah, we should do spoilers then. But right, yeah. So he started sort of like in an interesting way, just like all right, he's struggling with like trying to like figure out his place in the world. It's like he wants to be a superhero. This sort of takes place after the crisis, where it's sort of, and it's sort of like he's trying to, and he's like not quite not all his powers. And he's just trying to figure out what his role will be, and he's trying to help out, and he gets into some sort of moral and ethical situations. Like immediately, he starts having to deal with like an animal testing facility, and which is a good start. Like it's a good, it's a good way to bring it in, you know, to to something bigger. Yeah, because like it's not just as simple as like, oh well, there are good guys and there are bad guys, and maybe some of these people are doing things that are ethically shady, as it turns out, they are. It's not to say that all animal testing is necessarily like that, but certainly that uh, is the point that Grant Morrison is kind of making. That he gets more and more like PETA, 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 like animal rights. And, and he literally at the end, like, he, like he tells the audience, like, and he gives their address in DC. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, which is kind of funny just because, yeah. you know, he, he was always kind of like pushing that, you know, my subtext throughout the whole thing. Yeah. Um, but I like. I was gonna say I liked at the end, like he 
like saying, yeah, I, th- I thought it was going to get kind of creepy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you said that. So, so, so before we go to, like, Grant Morrison and talk a little more about, like, Animal Man itself, just, just to close out what we were talking about with the, uh, with the context of the 80s, what I find interesting is just a few things. I mean, first of all, you have this, like, trifecta. Um, I'm sure if they're, like, comic book nerds, there may be some other writers at the time. I mean, I think Mark Miller is supposed to be one of those who sort of push things a little bit, maybe. I don't know much of his stuff, except for what he did with Grant Morrison called Skull Cold Crew, which is okay, in my opinion. But, but, um, it's interesting how, like, the 80s, like, produced these, like, like, they gave these, it's like they gave these, like, these three, like, kind of off the beaten path, you could say, unique writers from the UK, forgotten, um, almost forgotten properties. I know that those are probably not the only like sort of forgotten properties they gave to authors during that time. It's like these three different authors, uh, you know, Grant Morrison, Neil Gaiman, and and Alan Moore, they gave the three of them like the, 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 those those almost forgotten characters. And and first of all, these these properties kinda, you know, cata, cata, catalyzed their career or at least had a huge hand in their career. In each, in each of those three um, authors' careers, and 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 each of them kind of reshaped the respective genres and heavily influenced the different genres that they worked in. I mean, I mean Neil Neil Gaiman. I mean, Sandman is considered one of the greatest um, comic book series of all time, and then Neil Gaiman, you know, he didn't really s- stay with a lot of um, uh, comic books. You know, his you know his fiction. You know, he was he was he's one of the people who redefined fantasy and. Alan Moore, you know, by creating Watchmen and Before Dead, are just these monumental, like, culturally influential works, you know, and completely changed comics, too, and, like, and then Grant Morrison, who, you know, you know, there's, like, you know, he contends that that the Wachowskis, like, you know, may have he says they kind of pushed his ideas for the Matrix, you know, and use that to, to make the Matrix, um, but, you know, whether that's true or not, definitely his stuff, his work, pushing kind of that psychedelic stuff and, and, and all that, you know, change a lot of, like, writing and action stuff. And then, at the very least, he's been very active in the comic book world. And, you know, so... so he's worked on both Marvel and DC. Right. So, like, they, they all, and these things launched their careers. They had a big influence on, on uh, the, you know, on what a so superhero is. Guys. What? Well, they'll give it a lot more impulsive. Right, right, and, and I was saying, so, so I, th- I think, I think that's, I think that's pretty cool and worth noting, and, and they all are into challenging the medium and the genre while still showing a love for it in different ways. You know, I mean, Alan Moore is, you know, Alan, Alan Moore like often gets into like that like really gritty like what it means to be human thing, bringing as much to the human level, and just really these deep literary things like Neil Gaiman is just like, you know, he's he's all about like the mythology and like and like. What does it mean to like have like something you worship or not, and like what are these different states, you know, like these mythological worlds? What, what would that really mean? And then Grant Morrison's just like, let me let me fuck with your brain, and you know, and uh, and what does that mean when you fuck with when you fuck with your brain? Right. So he so, starts yeah. that, and in the, in the, like pretty early, right. Song, but, right. But it's called the Coyote, which, as it turns out, is a metaphor for the entire. And now right. that you finished it, you right. know that that's true. Right. Uh, yeah, I just finished it. That's I just finished it like an hour or so ago. All in on that. So yeah, yeah, because there's this whole thing about there's this weird coyote that's like walking on its hind legs, and 
then we see this weird flashback in a kind of Looney Tunes way that this coyote essentially sacrificed his life. He left, you know, he wanted to, he wanted to stop all the violence in this sort of Warner Brothers-like universe. He goes through the creator, you know, who like, has like a pen, and he's like, interesting. And, you know, the animal man wants to help, but he doesn't know how. So it's sort of interesting because he's confronting his creator to try to save the animals, to try to make peace with the animals. So it's a sort of an interesting thing that he just introduces the discos, uh, and then if you see at the end of like that Invincible, it kind of fades away into someone with pen actually drawing it. And it, around that time, Grant Morrison starts hammering in things. Now, you may not notice these things because you just read it, but rereading it, you notice like he has like all these like, references like on green type. It turns out it's him writing on the computer. So, like he, there's this weird like there's this like talking like. You know, I used to have an imaginary fox named Foxy. And you're like, who's talking? <laughs> like, what is, what is this? This animal man? I don't understand. Yeah. It's and so, so it turns out it is Grant Morrison right. talking to us. Yeah. It, 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 there's so much of this meta stuff uh, peppered in. So it's like, all throughout these different stories, this animal man is kind of, there are all these layers. So it's an animal man is sort of fighting crime like this, this you know, the theme most of the time, or the thread that runs through a lot of the crime, it, you know, the crime that he's fighting, so to speak, are, you know, people who are, who are, uh, you know, who are mistreating animals, maybe they're going whaling, or doing animal testing, as you were saying, just, just different things like that, or, or humans acting indecently in general, you know, stuff like that, and, and, and then, and then, the, but like, through that, he's kind of first of all questioning who he is, whether he wants to be a superhero, so there's that questioning stuff, but then, as time goes on, you know, he and his wife, because he has a wife and he's raising kids, he and his wife are some kind of experience. Stuff is happening. Like, what's happening? Then, like apparitions show up, and it's kind of weird because, like, at first when I was re- when I was going to read it, I was I kept hearing that Animal Man had these like meta things going on, and I did know about the spoiler, spoiler which is fine. The twist that he that he you know in the end he actually meets Grant Morrison. You know, he meets his maker, so to speak, the author, and and. But I was thinking, I was thinking, like, what's the connection to Animal Man? What does that do with anything meta? And so, Grant Morrison just does a really good job at, like, just pacing it, just peppering in, and he keeps, it's like he keeps going, going, not even deeper, like, it's like he keeps, like, breaking through, and Animal Man keeps breaking through different layers of, like, reality above him. He's, like, just understanding more, more, the yeah. reality he's in. Yeah, just keeps Understanding just that he is in a comic book, essentially. Right, right. You know, it's sort of like, the, which is kind of like a, a very interesting idea to write a character that knows he's superhero. Right. You know, and it's, you know, it's sort of like, it's the kind of thing that can influence the way you think about things. Like, you imagine, like, the universe inside your head, and you're talking to people inside your head. Yeah. yeah. Do they realize it's fictional, or are you only thinking that they realize it's fictional? Yeah. And super trippy, because it's like, he, like, it's like you're seeing... Uh, you're literally reading a thing in a comic book, but it's like at certain points, it's like the like you can tell like the comic book the, the, the characters, Animal Man of course the most, but various characters become you know aware that there's like someone watching them and they start looking at you, you know, but they, they can't quite make you out. They say you're like a blurry face or something like that. Right. So it's kind of cool, but it's kind of trippy because you're like because this is so literally on you know comic comic pages. 
and they're talking about how they can see you, but it's someone writing that they can see you, and then there are these, there are a bunch of scenes where you you see someone writing on a computer, like, close up on a computer, you know, <laughs> being written on an animal, so it's like, all these, like, layers of, like, you know, and mirror so, looking into a mirror, looking into a mirror, that sort of thing, which I guess is the whole mirror. Now. There's a lot of callbacks, like, I, if you may remember, there was a whole scene earlier on where there were a bunch of Fenigarians, or, like, the and during an invasion, he talks a little bit about how, like, he had to integrate that into his storyline. Grant Morrison said that? Yeah. Because uh, that was something that was going on, so he had to write about it. But then there's, like, the whole thing where he's like, all you had to do was switch it off, which goes on to the very end of the comics, where he says, I have to help with the bomb. Yeah. He said, all you had to do was switch it off. Which is sort of like, it's like a message to himself, you know, from, a, from the comic book. To do what? Just that's how he does it. Just turn it off. You're fine. That's how you save the day. Just turn off the bomb. Right. Yeah. And it's interesting because you have essentially these two other characters that are introduced that start having a role, and, you, and we keep cutting through. There's this guy. There's this Doctor Highwater. He's like a Native American you know, psychologist or something, sociologist. He keeps talking. Or you know, he's a physicist. He's a quantum physicist. And he's trying to understand the nature of his reality. Comes talking about something called the implicate order, and he basically comes to this realization that he's they're living in a fictional reality. Well, this doesn't come until later, but there's also this other guy who is the psycho pirate. Psycho pirate was involved in the crisis on infinite earths. He was essentially the guy who was working for the infinite monitor. So you always got to have one of those guys. He had these masks. That could change people's emotions essentially so you could manipulate people that way. And blah blah blah. He had essentially he absorbed an enormous amount of you know energy when everything when the universe is combined. And he's the only one that remembers the crisis essentially. So he kind of he's crazy because he remembers all these other possibilities at once. And throughout this comic, he's like realizing. He's talking about how we're in a comic as well, in a sense. Like, he's like, you know, I, I know you're trying to make me confused, but he's talking to Grant Morrison. Oh, oh right, yeah, well, that's what he's doing, okay. Yeah, that's it's like, you're, try, you're trying to make me, trying to make it hard for me to think. That's trippy. <laughs> you write a character that accuses you of stuff, yeah. of being an asshole to your to itself. Um, so there's a lot of, like, circular stuff in there. That's really weird aliens. What do you think about those aliens? So those aliens have existed in, in, in the DC world, right? They're just like... Are they, are they were like animal man's antagonists, like in the beginning. Right, no, no, but have they already existed in the DC world? Isn't there... Yeah, I just told you that. They were animal man's antagonists. Oh, so they didn't exist in any other story? If they did, it would have been very minor. But the point is... Oh, like, those are the aliens. He got, yeah, he got like his powers from like an alien ship. In the, in the original animal man, yes. right? Yeah. And those were the aliens. That were involved, and so Grant Morrison integrated them into making a new version of things. Right. Which he comments on, in a sense, yeah. throughout the whole thing. Yeah, so those aliens are interesting because at one point, you know, with, with the, the bizarre throwback character, Hamid Ali, the man who never dies, right. you know, they make a comment like this We are agents of the power that brings your world into being, which means they're agents of Grant Morrison. <laughs> So that's why they can just like erase Ahmed Ali. He's like, 
dude. <laughs> You're a stupid character. And we, I think we all realize that. Yeah. <laughs> but even he says that. Like, when they see that, they're like, you're from an older time and minor character, like... No one's dramatic. Yeah, man. Like, yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. And he, and he is, like, a cruel, awful person, so... Um, but, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's, it's just, like, it's, he has no complexity in any sense. Yeah. I mean, so, so I think, you know, think about just, just Grant Morrison in general, over the course of... You've read more of Grant Morrison than I have. Probably just by a little bit. Just, you know, it's hard to say. I've read Doom Patrol yet, uh, or All Star Superman, but like, you know, I went, I, I, well, let me think of how to say this, how to, how to start this thread of conversation. I, I, um, I, this is, Animal Man is considered, even though it was like, you know, it's kind of his debut work, it is considered one of his best, um, you know, his best work. Some people say the best. I wouldn't say that it's only standalone, it's best, and nothing is better, but I, I now sort of see why, um, and, uh, and and there and there are reasons for why it's considered at least one of his uh, best. And you know, just just thinking about Grant Morrison in general, just I like, to reflect. You mentioned how you got into Grant Morrison. I mean, I I found out about him originally again through New X Men when you had when you had that when you had right. that series. And Same I think I, and I would say in some sense that that's probably my favorite because um, he just does a bunch of awesome stuff with, with X Men. And he does do some kind of trippy stuff that's grounded. And he knew this what got me into comics. Right, right. No, it was, it was just, it was, just it, it, it was fantastic. And, 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 um, you know, he, Grant Morrison is interesting. And, and you know, you, know, you and I have talked, have spoken a lot, a lot, probably even in our previous podcast, like Alan Moore versus uh, Grant Morrison podcast. Um, we, we, we spoke a little about this, but like, Grant Morrison is kind of, um, I, I don't want to say he sort of is hit or miss, actually, in, in a sense. Yeah, that's true. Be, because like he's he's clearly very talented in a lot of ways, and and, um, and, and he's also and capable he, of writing coherent. Right, and I and I and, and I think he's one of these examples of he is just he knows the form so inside and out, and you know, and and he also. No, you know he's he's been very open about his experimentation with with psychedelics, but also just his in general, you know, views about spirituality and different dimensions and things like that, and magic, and chaos magic, and all that stuff. That that it's like in some sense, I feel like it's hard for perhaps I don't know if this is true about it to like take what the, the regular form of things seriously. And so I think you know his strength, as we've talked about, is. He's really good at articulating through the comic book medium, and even just sometimes in his pure just writing, the, the letter, the, the, the written word, articulating and somehow describing and showing the experience of mind alteration and dimension, dimensional bending. But uh, but he's uh, but but uh, I, I you and I often agree that he's I think often at his best when he's grounded a little bit with some with with some constraints um you know it, it kind of reminds me of how like i heard you know dan Harmon talking about when writing rick and morty what he what he says he's like he said you know it's not like dan Harmon isn't super creative but just Froyland's sort of it seems like he's sort of thought of as this kind of like mad erratic genius in a, in a sense yeah. even though he knows how to write too obviously being coherent um but i think there's some truth to it so the two of them together when they write rick and morty um you know dan Harmon has said he's like i like being the boring one 
to the story. I like I, I like grounding the story. And I think that's one of the reasons why Rick and Morty does really well because they have all this stuff with challenging. You know, the, the, there's like just fucked up stuff where they're like, you know, really mind bend, mind bending, dimension bending, what that means. But they they still had some through lines going through. So anyway, I think with Grant Morrison's movies, he could use a little bit of that. And yeah, so let me yeah let me make a comment on this. Yeah. There's there's different levels of metafiction because uh, as I th- as I mentioned to you before, metafiction is a yeah the idea of breaking the fourth wall. It's not only it's talking about breaking the fourth wall. It's theater itself. No, I'm not talking about breaking. So yeah. when you get into like people who are the idea that somehow the characters on the page, you know, or in a movie are inherently aware of the medium that they're in, it's very different. Like you have Zach Morris. Saved by the bell, changing time. But the truth is, he really is also subject to the rules of the place that he doesn't. It's like it's all fantastical in a sense, but for the most part, it's like oh, it's just like a little conceit. You talk to the audience, haha, ta-da, I'm in. Right? It's not mentioned. It's not a super deep show, so they weren't like thinking like that either. But also, just like many many characters, like Ferris Bueller's The Office. Talk to the camera, but on the other hand, again, he is subject to the rules of his reality, you know. And I would say the closest you get to this kind of thing is Deadpool, sort of. That he seems like he's aware that it's all a con. It somehow he was that to a certain extent. The fact that it's comical, kind of, in in some sense, grounds in the sense you're like it's not so mind bending. So so that that kind of eases it in the reader's mind, and it's super enjoyable. Um, with, with Deadpool. Yeah, but my point is not just about the meta aspect. I'm talking about just the fact that he, even when even when Grant Morrison's not being meta, he'll have these. Um, he'll have you know we, how many like how many uh, and I'm not against this by any means, but how many stories has he had where someone takes peyote or, or some sort of hallucinogen or psychedelic? I mean, he has so many of that. He'll yeah. show that trip. Not the only author who's done that, obviously, but um, I mean, you know, and, and there's the amazing sequence, and I was, and I would say it's amazing in *Beef for Vendetta* and the, the graphic novel spoilers, where the detective, you know, trips acid at that one sort of former concentration, uh, you know, laboratory concentration right. laboratory thing. Um, but yeah, but like, but the thing is, it, my, my, but like. Some of those things you're saying, or was the point you're making, is that th- those other examples are like a little more grounded than is out there? Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, because it's right. Like a, right. my point is, with Animal Man, he's explicitly having a character gain awareness, right, in a way that is very different from almost anything else. Right. I'm, I'm hard pressed to think of something like that. I think there are other cases, like novels, of like books, where there are characters who know they're in it, but they try to talk to the author.
tree. You know, that's that's pretty nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, exactly. It, it, it's great. It's great. No, that's fantastic. But 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 the, the thing is 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 you know so it, contrasted with something like Saved by the Bell or even Winnie the Pooh, yeah. Deadpool is uh, is Grant Morrison can push the limit of the crazy mind bending stuff, interdimensional stuff going on. Um, and still somehow articulate it, except there are plenty of times, as you and I both both agree, where we think he goes too far into that, and he has trouble reeling it back in. You're like, well, what the fuck is he talking about? Like, and he goes on oh, for yeah. too long, and you're like, where is this? Where was this? That looks like an image that was in a past, you know, that was in a past, like, uh, a, a, a past story, a past issue, but what are you talking about? I mean, and, and so, like, even so, Animal so Man, there's probably one well, yeah. times. Animal Man has a little bit, but I think I think part of it. So, so in a sense, what was good with Animal Man is that I think it was his first. You know, since his first. Sometimes that just happens. Your your rookie effort, his first big thing. He he really knocked it out of the park, and a lot of things came together. And you know, he had some of the constraints for that was. You know, and I actually don't know what was going on in his head, obviously, but like, you know, he was still trying to figure out. You know, probably, you know, trying to explore himself as an author, and then and then you know. Maybe he maybe he did tone down some of the uh, some of the crazy stuff, you know, to make it more palatable. Maybe he was told to, or or maybe he he or maybe he was in the process of pushing, and just some of that stuff was already there, the constraints. But he, but like, give me a second. I'll just talk about like like the differences between Animal Man in this regard and then other stuff. Like Animal Man, like he, in Animal Man, he just paces. He does a really good job at pacing the, I mean, not, not all the time, but, but sometimes he spends too long in the crazy uh, mind-altering world. For the most part, he does a good job at pacing, like, how, like, over time, Animal Man, as I said before, his perception and, you know, his doors of perception keep getting wider and wider. He's noticing more and more. He he literally is, is looking away from the literal comic book frames that he's yeah. in more and more. He's stepping outside of it. It's like he's. It's like in the Matrix. This was pre the Matrix. He actually how, influence eventually. Right, that's right. Like well, that, that's the thing. So it's like in, in the in the Matrix, how like the spoilers. Neo, <laughs> you know, Neo, Neo is getting better and better at at like challenging his reality, and you know, like you know, he's he, it's the very end where he actually has the full blown uh, you know epiphany realization, all that. But he's getting better and better. Same thing in Animal Man in a different way. And, he, and it, you know, it's pretty genius, I'd say, how Grant Morrison literally, as you said, as you said, has Animal Man go in and out of the frames and uses that to fight some villains, but, you know, it just moves through different worlds and realities. And then, you know, like, the, 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 the word, like, you actually have to do, in order to, like, there's that one page where, like, the, the, the dialogue boxes, like, start, like, like shifting around in different directions. And you actually have to physically move either yourself or the book to read what's going on. But again, he paces it really well, and it just builds up to him finally meeting Grant Morrison. And and even at the end, the climax, it's like it's the Grant Morrison character explains the whole meta thing. It explains it in actually a way that grounds it. Like, we were talking earlier about, you and I before the podcast, we were talking about how, like, he even says, like, he even tells Animal Man, you're, you know, you know like, like, you're in the real world, or like, or like you know, you don't actually come to the real world, I come from the real world. But this is not actually the real world. I have to make a, you can't even, I don't know, you can't even come to the real world. I'm just making a fake real world where I can talk to you. 
So it's just this crazy trippy scene, but he grounds it and, and, and uses it kind of as a you know sort of like commentary on on authors and himself and you know what direction the comic book medium and superheroes should go in. And I like what he does there. Now the Invisibles, on the other hand, it's not the only example, but we always say how like the Invisibles, the first three Invisibles, first three volumes are I think really solid. It's probably what really got made me a Grant Morrison fan. And it's, it, you know, it's, it's, it's cool. It like follows this cool story of this, this like rebel group of, uh, you know, like, like, uh, dimension traveler warriors or whatever they are. Right. And it's cool and grounded in a certain way, but still, still being crazy and out there. And afterwards, it's just like, it, it really is like, you know, he, he, he said that he was like on different hallucinogens or whatever, at least on acid, I think, or, or something, or a bunch of stuff. Um, like, when he was writing The Invisibles, and it seems like it, because it's like, after that volume, it just, it, the, the narrative just scatters in a thousand directions. It's like, what's going on? He, and at times, he sort of brings it back a little bit, but not by much. And then in Seven Soldiers 2, like, I felt like the first two volumes, maybe, were were grounded, and like, and like good, but, but then, but then it, that also sort of like, fragmented. And the filth had some cool stuff, but there were some parts of the filth where you're like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. So, New X-Men, Animal Man, Parts of Invisibles, and I haven't read All-Star Superman. Um, I feel like those things, where he's had some of those constraints, have really helped him, you well, know. Super Gods, because it's, you know, well, that's fiction a, yeah. is actually pretty well-written. Yeah. It's, it's coherent. You know, he gets into, like, some, like, interesting theories and stuff, but it's never a point where he's like, and then the substrate... Came out of the substrate came from the from the multi dimension and and blew me up out of out of blowing up right. dimension. That the omniversal serpent <laughs> yeah. camels yeah. opened its mouth and inside its mouth was the opposite of its mouth. <laughs> <laughs> the super chaos, super chaos onto the super chaos order. <laughs> inside of its little eye. Such a tiny little doll version of me. <laughs> that doll version waved at me and said, Hello, Grant. He said this in a And he said, You fucking chore. What are you? <laughs> 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 That's right. That's exactly what he said. <laughs> yeah, so, Supercard's pretty good. You know, it, it is not, there's no, you know, there's no pictures. <laughs> it's a book that is uh, filled with words. But it's, it's very interesting because I, I I think some of the stuff he wrote in Supergod is really spot on, as they would say. Like he talks about how like the integration of the restrictive comics code led to some really bizarre stories. When 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 history and why? In, in the comic books, like the comics code was sort of like with the MPAA, you know, with the, you know the pre ratings. Where essentially, the 50s you're talking about, you're talking about the yeah. time? Yeah. Where they basically said, hey, uh, get these commie comic books out of here. Well, there was a little bit of that too, yeah. but uh, there was, some, you know, there was like all sorts of panics and stuff, and they, they became like, oh, they're corrupting our children. You know, in fairness, there really was no, like, there's no quality control at the time. So you had like things like Tales from the Crypt and all sorts of. Horror comics and murder comics and mystery comics. Some of these really were not good for kids, but you know, a lot of them were just like whatever. People were reacting, so the, the comics club was very restrictive. As a side point, George R. 
Burns talks about that a lot. Like, 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 yeah, he just he was not a fan. But like, there were things. For example, in the earliest versions, they lessened and lessened and lessened, and finally, nobody cared eventually uh, over time. But there was like you couldn't portray like a politician or a police officer negatively. You know, you couldn't have people fighting. Like they couldn't actually fight with like fists. And so like, how do you? Hilarious. So how do you have Superman or Batman? Without fighting, so you ended up with really stupid plots instead. So they they, came, they figured out ways around it, but you ended up with really bizarre stories. So one of the things Grant said wrote about like Batman and Robin is there was a big gay panic about them, <laughs> and they ended up writing. He said so. He said they ended up integrating like a Batwoman and a Batgirl character, and he said but the crazy, bizarre, like pseudo Freudian nonsense that these whatever these writers. Drugs one, who knows? But they wrote some crazy stuff, and he said they were so bizarre that if anything could turn someone gay, those comics might have done the trick. <laughs> the one, the, the, just it's just like it, it's it's bizarre because like they had they ended up writing like really over the top campy stuff because they were restricted what they couldn't write. Obviously, they weren't trying to do that. Grant Wood's horse is really not saying that, but it's like the same concept. But it's that was a sort of an interesting thing. You know, Greg Morrison's always been a very progressive guy. You know, he was a big fan of you know, GI stuff. Because, like, when he was a kid, American troops were coming into like you know, Scotland bringing like, chocolate and comic books and stuff. Oh, really? Yeah, that's kind of like where he got like a lot of his love for that stuff. And this was, like, he wasn't alive for two why, why, why were they coming into Scotland at that time? They were just helping it up. There, remember, there was a lot of distortion. Oh, wait, so he grew up like in, and he used people in the 70s, something like that? Yeah, yeah. Morrison, yeah. yeah. I mean, so, so, I mean, I'm wondering if he was kids. Yeah, I mean, I, I, listen, I, I don't really know my Scottish history that well, but, uh, I mean, I, I think I've heard him talk about that. Though. So, I mean, like, he was in his 20s and the 80s. Right, so he grew up in like the 70s, maybe the in the 60s. It doesn't mean there, there weren't issues. Also, in the 70s, I'm pretty sure, uh, you know, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure England did, but probably effectively Scotland had some um, economic, like, depressions and things like that. I mean, that's, yeah, you know, like, you talked about Yeah, well, because, well, well, you know, London was one of the main, one of the reasons I noticed also just being a punk, uh, a punk rock fan. Like, like um, that's sort of where, where like, punk rock in, in the UK flourished and kind of originated sort of originated there in New York um, uh, because of, like, the economic kind of depression that was going on there in the 70s. So I guess there were, there were economic issues in America, too, at the time. Um, so yeah, well, there's another uh, animal man thing that I want to bring up. So one of them is the overman idea. Now, obviously, the overman, you know, is, like, an explicit translation of uber-mensch. Right. That's exactly what it means. And it's sort of, like, it's definitely a very, you know, it's... It's funny because now that we're talking about it, it does seem like it's the, the if you took like we gotta write an adult version of Superman, it's like the most extreme version of that. Like a guy who's the result of military experiments and you know and ends up succumbing to a sex virus and goes crazy and su- suicidal and homicidal and wants to destroy the world. Yeah. You, know, I, you were saying you were thinking it might be something about Watchmen. I think it's really about that. About the dark, you know, it's like the ultra dark thing. I don't really think it's. I understand what you're saying about the military. 
but he doesn't really see. Yeah, I was Jimmy talking about that was making a comment when he because I know that Graham Graham Morrison has sometimes made some kind of barbed comments about Alan Moore. Bill Washman specifically, yeah, because he does like he does like some of his other stuff. Yeah, at least he has sense. Yeah, but but the the main thing we maybe talked about this in our podcast about Morrison previously, but the the big thing is sort of the bone of contention. And I'm not sure if I've heard Alan Moore say anything about Grant Morrison, but yeah, Grant Morrison, oh yes, okay. Well, one thing Grant Morrison said, was like the, only, the only thing he said about Alan Moore, because he also said later on that Alan Moore kind of like stole his like, his like psychedelic interdimensional uh, ideas or whatever. And to Grant Morrison's credit, I think we both said that we think Grant Morrison's better at the kind of trippy stuff in general than, than Alan Moore is. But anyway, um, one, one uh, critique that, that Grant Morrison has had about Alan Moore is that Alan Moore, uh, you know, kind of, did he write that in Super Gods? That, that Alan Moore kind of like cheapened what the superhero is, like the aspirational, well, it's inspirational yeah, aspect of, of doesn't of have it. a strong opinion about Watchmen. Now, it's funny because, well, let me give you two points. Grant Morrison asserts that Alan Moore put Watchmen in it's like, I don't it. That's it. I've done it. Superman, superheroes are done, damn it. Yeah. But the truth is, Alan Moore later went back and wrote more superhero stuff. Yeah, I don't think Grant Morrison's right. That, I mean, but not only that, but Alan Moore has also said he thinks Watchmen is overrated. <laughs> Alan Moore is, so maybe they are on the same page, if you really want to be honest, because yeah, Alan Moore doesn't want to hear someone else say that Watchmen's overrated. <laughs> I, mean, no, no, I mean, I think, I think, I think, I think Grant Morrison's Grant, Grant Morrison's like critiques of Alan Moore, like I, I don't agree with, with Grant Morrison what he's saying. Like I like Grant Moore, like I like Grant Morrison's perspective. I don't want him to be a copy of Alan Moore, but like I don't in general in general agree with it. Also, Alan Moore is a gigantic uh, comic book fan and loves superheroes. Oh, I just yeah, think he's a huge. Yes, he, he, he's just a like I don't know between the two of them who knows more about comic books, but it, but it, I don't know. But it would be really, it would be difficult to know. This. Yeah. So much. It's Alan Moore is this like I consider him a literary genius. I really do, and he writes these, these, these. Like, when he's when he's when he's when he's doing things well, he writes these like beautiful, you know, complex, dense, comprehensive, you know, just just uh, stories. Well thought um, out with, with, with it, or yeah, or at least well thought out. I mean, you know, top ten is beautiful in a different way, you know, obviously. Yeah. But 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 um, uh, you know, uh, so. So I, I don't think it matters what he's writing, you know. He, like he can he can write something that's clearly superheroes, and he has done that without breaking them down that they're not that they're just these messed up people, you know. He's really, he's just good at getting clearly the personal and what's and what's weak about people, and you know he's just he's good about it. Now, now Grant Morrison, in general, Grant Morrison has a more optimistic slant on things, though, and that was one thing I was noticing, and I, and I was telling you before. Jeremy, is that, it, like, I was noticing throughout Animal Man, for instance, and I think in general this is the case with Grant Morrison, Grant Morrison more often, I notice, has has examples of happy couples, you know, together. Happy romantic couples, whether they have families or not, even if they have issues, you know, he, he has that more often happening in his stuff, and he has more of a, a positive, optimistic slant, I think, with a lot of things. And Alan Moore... Uh, I noticed in a lot of his stories, he has you know, you know, break, you know, you know, bad marriages, bad, you know, bad well, relationships, not, not exclusively, not exclusively, um, 
And he doesn't do it in a cheap way, but I'm just saying, like, like I like I think maybe that if I'm trying to sort of think analytically, um, you know, I don't I don't know what they're like personally necessarily, but like, but 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 I think in general, Grant Morrison Grant Morrison is trying to push the like what can superheroes and then in turn humanity do and and create and make better. And Alan Moore, I think he has it, but Alan Moore really sheds this like light on all this dark stuff. However, to be fair, the you know the iconic image of you know the We Vendetta Guy Fox mask is way more pervasive in in uh, in, in in culture, you know, and in the world uh, than uh, probably anything that Grant Morrison has made, unless you. Well, but the fairness, yeah. that's because from the movie. Yes, but I, but it comes from Al Moore. Yes, no, that's true. Well, but, I understand, but, but that movie would not have been made without. Yeah, unless you believe the Matrix that they, they, they took. And if you want to put it that way, then he has a pretty... <laughs> right, so that's the only way you can say that. But, like, I don't have a dog in that fight. Like, I, I, I personally am, like, I don't know what the you know what the Wachowskis were doing or not, how much they took or not. I know what Grant Morrison has said, and um, I know that I love the first Matrix and the Animatrix. So, you know. Not all the Animatrix, but a lot of them. Yeah, overall. Good, good body of work. That's funny. I don't want to give you too much of a tangent, but I, I was just listening to people saying that they love the animatrix. And well, they're wrong. I mean, people are entitled to have incorrect opinions. I mean, Matrix has its issues, uh, but in general, it's very, very strong. First, yeah, uh, sequels have moments and pieces, but they also have a lot of bleh. But anyway, so one of the great things about the Overman ending is like he. Kills Overman by trapping him between the panels of the comic book. Not between, oh, the panels get smaller. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. he disappears and yeah. nothing just between the panels. Yeah. And the element kind of controls him. Yeah. Which is cool. Like he's kind of like gaining power over the reality. Because remember, they were talking about his morphogenetic you know, you know, capabilities. Like that's what his power is. So it seems like it's saying it's not just about animals. He is the animal man, but that gives him more than just power over like animals, but also power over reality in a sense. Because he's able to the morphogenetic, you know, they say like he's controlling himself throughout by controlling what he's around. It's very interesting from that sense, you know, and I I liked a lot of the stuff at the end when he's like walking through like the area of like the limbo of like all the lost things. Of course, ironically, the funny thing about limbo because it's all these forgotten characters is by mentioning them, they're not in limbo anymore. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> and he doesn't he doesn't really address that. Yeah. But oh, what is the most interesting is Mr. Freeze is there. Yeah, that was great. And I did not expect that. And the truth is, yeah, at the time, Mr. Freeze was a forgotten character. Yeah, well, that, that was a big series. Totally brought him back. Right, right. That, that was the only thing when I was reading it. was like, I'm forgotten. And Mr. Freeze, I'm forgotten. And then I was thinking, like, oh, I totally know who Mr. Freeze is. But it's, you know, he may have even been a, Mr. Freeze. I feel like I knew what Mr. Freeze before that animated series came out. I, I could I be wrong. I could, I could be wrong. Well, you know what? There might have been, there might have been, like, an action figure, you know. Yeah, but that of, was of from Mr. the show. Well, when did, when did the animated series, do you know the animated it's series like the early 90s. All right, so maybe. 
they did in the yeah, late nineties so. with Batman and Robin, where they copied and destroyed the character of Mister Freeze. Yeah, the only thing awesome about it is that it had, that it was Arnold Schwarzenegger. All right, everyone. All right, everyone. Chill. Chill. <laughs> Especially my wife, who is who is dying. Oh no, she is dead. She has been bought all the ice. Are you funny? Yeah, I was just telling someone last night about uh, the whole like the projector stopping. You know, uh, yeah, when we watched that. Was a good thing. Yeah, so that, yeah, that's interesting, just because I mean, I recognize some of these other uh, lesser known things just because I've read a huge amount of comic book crap, and there's some weird and secret things I've read. There was like the Bizarro comics. Oh yeah, that, that B character in, in, in there, and it's like, oh yeah, him, <laughs> the stupid yeah. B character. Yeah. Well, remember yeah. that's it. That, that, that's that, that's Finn. <laughs> you know what I'm thinking of? Like, how about bees? What was the name the, the, Partridge? Yeah, what was the, what was the bee character? <laughs> bee Man, right? Yes. <laughs> how about an over... How about an overwhelming <laughs> amount of bees? <laughs> <laughs> a total different tangent. <laughs> Line of like it's like he was just just that line of like what is 
the creator and the author making something? What is the audience? And what is the actual like entertainment or media experience? What is that? Oh my God, you know this. You know what I realized? You could make a great animal man. You know, you don't have to. You, can, you don't have to do everything the same because you, you wouldn't be able to. You cut out a lot of this. Right. You could make a really interesting, like, metafictional movie, as in, like, he kind of realizes he's in a movie right. about superheroes. Right. Because, like, cause you could even put it in the Batman Superman universe. And, yeah. like, because now that we already That's have their like, answer Suicide to Deadpool. Squad. It should be their answer to Deadpool. Yes, it is totally their answer to Deadpool. Not Suicide Squad, which is actually their answer to Guardians of the Galaxy. But, uh, oh my god, DC Comics. Get on. You're not going to hear us. But Animal Man, classic Animal Man, can just rewritten make it like a modern version of it. And you can keep it in DC because DC's also usually more dark. You know, that's yeah, the thing. So, with that. Yeah. And, you know, you can make it great in art if you wanted to. But, you know, you can get it, you know, you can have some Right for us, it's still working for you. <laughs> just get them to write the damn screenplay and then get someone else to like translate it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, well, exactly. Oh, I think that's all right. Here we that's go. A, I think that's a good place to Yeah, that's good. That's a good, that's a, that's a good note. You know, as much as we can get quality Grant Morrison stuff out there, the better. Okay. Bye, bitch. Nerd you later. Nerd you later.